Hey there, and welcome to the Outrageous Grace podcast. We are so glad you're here. We are your mom and daughter co-hosts. I'm Marcy Hess. And I'm Tylee Fieros. And our heart behind this podcast is to encourage you in your relationship with Jesus through raw conversations. Let's get into it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Outrageous Grace podcast in our Let's Talk About It series. Um, Today, we are going to be talking about self-doubt and insecurity. Um, I feel like this is something that we all struggle with um, probably all the time um, Mm -hmm. to some extent, and it's just overwhelming and I feel like with the way that the world is right now with media and everything it's just um a little bit of overwhelming conundrum that we all Mm -hmm. face so we want to talk about it and what things maybe can cause it what things can trigger it or make Mm -hmm. it bigger and then how um maybe we can handle it in a more healthy way so that's what we're talking about today and we're excited yeah, well, and, and um, we were talking about this just before we pushed record, but um, personally, I this week have gone through some pretty big stressors as far as doubt and feeling insecure and wondering where I fit in um, in God's bigger plan, in my friend's plan, in my community, and had a couple of those days where I'm like, holy smokes, this sucks, and just feeling um, discouraged and overwhelmed by stuff. So friends, I want you to know you are not alone literally like like you said ty we are all going through this constantly guys girls teenagers adults women you know uh it's i just don't think it's an isolated thing so super important and i'm coming from a fresh perspective this week because i (laughs) was like oh do i does anyone love me i know it's so dumb but don't we all Yeah, I have a conversation with my 14-year-old that I'm having with myself the day before. So it's um, it's so interesting that we all feel like we're alone in that and how we literally are all having the same internal conversation. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's that's very one. real. Like everybody yeah. um, uh, personifies like this confidence or this... Um, I don't know, like I've got it all together, whether that's on social media or in person or something, because I feel like we all, like you said, we all think that um, we're very alone in the struggle of insecurity, but I think it's kind of the opposite in how healing would it be if we could just open up that conversation and realize that we are all in the same boat of insecurity and doubt and discouragement within ourselves, and it's not um, something to be insecure and discouraged about that you are insecure um it's very normal so insecurity (laughs) i know i think we are (laughs) but i hope that this conversation um can help you feel less alone in that yeah yeah and i just want to throw out this quickly we're recording during easter week and um thinking of just all the insecurity and doubts that came up in the disciples minds and the followers of jesus like what in the world is going on they went from triumphal procession to the saturday where all of a sudden what on earth just happened and did we get it all wrong did we misunderstand did god call us to something weird what is this you know like 
that is a very biblical perspective. And so that's the awesome thing is we get to dig into to God's word and say, what does that even look like then? It's, you know, it's clearly very real across the centuries and, um, and the disciples had the same thing. So um, we're in good company, people. We're in good company. Let's just hammer this out and see what God has for us and how we can kind of walk through these very real, very often in some cases, scenarios. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I yeah. think that when we talked about this earlier first, we kind of wanted to maybe address areas that can grow our insecurity mm -hmm. or areas that contribute to these things that we go through. And I feel like the most obvious that we probably all are aware of, but mm -hmm. we still get sucked into <laughs> on yes. a daily basis is our media intake. Mm -hmm. um, and I actually have written a lot of stuff on this in my undergrads. So I've kind of studied social media's effects on self-esteem and insecurity. Um, that's actually in my senior thesis. Um, anyways, it's crazy. Um, but it's been very interesting to see um, because, I mean, all the studies pretty much show the same thing that um, the more that we use social media, the more maybe we experience um, feeling depressed or the more um, we have poor mental health development or poor self-esteem. And it's kind of the same idea of like we're consuming so much of other people's lives that there's a lack of living our own life and really um i don't see how that could produce anything good um because there's nothing to enjoy about your life there's nothing to be secure about in your life if you're not even living in it sure if you're constantly observing other people's highlights and other people's lives and um so i feel like that is a big thing um that causes insecurity in our day-to-day -day lives i would say um and I know you had some thoughts on that as well. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting. You know, the Lord always brings together things to talk about and things that come to our mind. Um, and just this week, I, I get an email, a newsletter from a, uh, I would call them a parent support for teenagers. And it's just access media. They're so good. They send lots of good content. And this week, their newsletter sent out something about um, split screen sadness and this article that came out through the Atlantic and it was studying teenagers. But as I was reading it, I'm like, this does not just apply to teenagers. And the whole idea was um, how we have this mental health crisis. And so much of it comes from what they're saying is it's not necessarily social media itself that maybe there's some good, the bads, you know, we all know that everything has an evil, everything has a good, but more than anything, it's like you were saying, Ty, that, that it's missing out on all of those things. We're spending hours and our kids are spending hours on social media. So rather than having um, jobs and hanging out with friends and going to driving and like we did run the neighborhood and go do all these things, they're stuck on social media. And so they're missing out, like you said, on life. And so the Atlantic, who is not a Christian published, uh, publication was saying um, just literally not having life is causing more anxiety in our hearts because we are not doing the things we were designed to do live in community um, and another thing that it brought up that I think is so true is that the news has never been 
more at our fingertips than it is at now. Our, even your social media pops up, right? Doesn't it pop up things that are interesting in the news and what people are saying and things they might, they think you might be interested in. But we have all of this ongoing 100% news where you can refresh and a new news article pops up. And guess what? Bad news sells. Nobody logs on and here's all the good news. They want to know what's the bad news, right? So bad news creates this insecurity in us. The world is falling apart. Um, everybody's got it pulled together and I don't. We've got all these things that, um, you know, that are constantly going on and now we're aware of it on a minute by minute basis. Like talk about us being ripe for insecurity and self-doubt, right? It's, it's chaos. Yeah. Overwhelming. So yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's just our teenagers. <laughs> I feel it too. No, totally. And I was even listening to this podcast um, the other day, and they were just admitting that they facetune all their photos that they mm. post, which is a very common thing today. Um, but I went and looked at like some of their before and afters because I was just curious, and I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like, not only do we just consume all this media, um, mm -hmm. it's not even real and yeah. it's painted as real. And so it's kind of like, I mean, like you said, it's just stirring up this like unrealistic insecurity and expectation and anxiety. And it, it's just like overwhelming. And I feel like even accounts where people are quote unquote real, it's mm -hmm. almost like glorifying that kind of um vulnerability in a way that's like oh, i could never you know it's still a comparison i don't know and yeah. i just have been blown away by that that i just feel like the more time we spend in media the more time we're just consuming 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 so much fake stuff yeah. and i feel like that can't do anything good for us <laughs> yeah yeah because um, nobody has the confidence to just be able to look at fake stuff and then look at your very real self and be like mm -hmm. oh i fit right in with this world that i am observing through my screen all the time yeah um which is so hard because it really is such a big aspect of our lives these days and we're connecting with people but i just feel like we have to be so careful um yeah about what we're allowing ourselves to consume yeah. um because i feel like even the bible talks about like what we are dwelling on like what um i forgot what the verse is but i think it's like it talks about how it starts in your thoughts and what yeah. you think about becomes what's in your heart and so i just feel like um you just have to be so careful about yeah. what we're consuming and what we're dwelling on and what we're thinking about and like i just want to say i'm saying this just as much to myself as anybody else um because i feel like i very honestly like struggle to not wake up and just want to scroll for 30 minutes or not I just want to sit on the couch and look at other people's lives because it's fun and it's yeah. exciting um but i just feel like we have to be careful yeah that, that doesn't overtake our lives as well yeah a couple of i was just thinking of that verse you were saying um and one of them i just looked tried to look real quick um but it's out of the heart the mouth speaks right so what we're putting into us is really what's going to come out um and um i know he references that in matthew but i'm pretty sure it's in psalms or proverbs that that um comes up and so i didn't find it right away but i i do believe that's what it says so whatever translation that is i remember that in 
(laughs) The mouth speaks and it's so true. I think, you know, total side note, but I read somewhere that for every beautiful, perfect Instagram photo, two to 400 photos are taken first before they find the one. So let's just keep that in mind, friend. That is hours hours spent to be living in perfection. And then I think um, even just jumping down to the next part about what causes that insecurity is in our relationships. Like I see the highlight reel of people and I'm like, man, their marriages are perfect. They never fight. They always think their spouses are beautiful. They always, you know, compliment. They say these things to each other. And I think, um, how real is that? How real is that? We know that every relationship has struggles. Not every relationship has maybe as severe struggles as somebody else. But um, again, we're just watching these highlight reels. And I think what we speak over ourselves does continue, it, it, met, it uh, meshes itself into our heart and then that continues to be the thing. And so um, just being so careful to, to watch in our relationships too, as, we, as we're struggling with insecurity and doubt, what does that even look like? Is it true? Really true? All my friends have a whole nother life outside of mind that they all hate me nobody wants to be with me you know these things that that go through our heads you know our relationships with our spouses suck and everybody else's is perfect and i you know we'll never get it right or they'll never get it right let's be honest we don't ever blame ourselves we blame our spouses um mm-hmm. for all the problems we have you know <laughs> so um i think that's so real and and uh one of the things that you had mentioned and i've heard this before too and, and the numbers are different but it doesn't even matter that for every every one thing that we say that's a positive, it takes so, or sorry, for every, yeah, for every one thing that we say that's a positive. A negative. Um, a negative. Yes, oh my gosh, sorry. Okay, I'm thinking and talking. Don't do that. <laughs> for every one negative we say, it takes so many things a positive to get it done. So whether it's eight, whether it's 10, whether it's 25, the numbers are huge. It's not in your favor, right? to stop saying those negative things over ourselves and speaking things that are harsh and unkind to ourselves first, right? I mean, that it's meant to, to talk about how we speak to other people, but I think it's also applicable to how we speak to ourselves. Yeah, I feel like um, one of the, cause I feel like when we were married, that was like when we first got married, that was really hard for me. Like when we were still trying to figure out things, how we work together, how we wanted to live and function together. Um, I felt like social media was like devastating to me because I just felt like, I mean, do these couples even have arguments? Like, (laughs) does he really get her flowers every single day? Do they write love notes on the mirror every morning? Like, it just was like, seriously? Like, that doesn't even make any sense to me. And um, it was hard because I just felt like from that perspective just came all these negative beliefs about our marriage. Uh And I was like, well... Isaiah doesn't do that, or I don't do that, or, you know, we have disagreements or things like that, and I feel like one of the most healing things for that um, in my mind was being in relationship with other couples, um, because I very, very quickly realized that (laughs) we're very normal, and other couples argue, and other couples have weird things, or maybe they don't buy flowers every single day or maybe they you know whatever and um I feel like just being in community with other people in our season of life was so healing because I got to see them 
through real life lens, not a social media lens. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that I feel like that just brought me out of my funk so quickly because I got so caught up in this fake world, like I just said, and I assumed that that was real. And I was comparing my real life to something that wasn't real. And I feel like being exposed to more real was what helped me get out of that funk because then I realized okay this is real life and what I'm seeing on social media is not the whole picture (laughs) which I knew but I you know it's just hard when you just see it all the time but I think relationships are so important they are you know when you girls were little one of the things I read over and over in every parent book every blog I um read and I didn't listen to a lot of podcasts because that wasn't a thing um really back then so um but one of the things that we talked uh, I heard a ton was just if you really want to see improvement in your children's behavior is you don't harp on the negative you compliment the positive and not to say you don't discipline because that's not at all what that is saying what that's saying is to make sure and point out the good things because in your little minds, right, as a child, um, to constantly always be on the negative is to reaffirm that in your heart, but to remind you that God has created you with purpose. You are really good at this particular thing. You are gifted in this area. I love how you did that. And I think we have to do that in our relationships. And I think we have to do that in our own heart too. And, and um, you know, I think the easiest way to do that is just to affirm scripture in my own heart. I can very quickly, very quickly come up with a thousand things that I think are negative about who I am. And it's harsh. It's destructive. If I were to say the things that I think about myself um, to someone else, it would be devastating. I would never say those things out loud to anyone else. But why do I say that over my own heart? You know, and it's, I can't always convince myself that I'm a good person based on my own good words, but I can go back to the creator and I can say what he spoke over me, how he created me. And in Proverbs um, 18, 21, it says the power of life and death is in the tongue. And that includes over our own hearts too. That is not just over how we speak to other people, but how I speak about myself. And sometimes those are internal thoughts, not the words I speak out loud because we don't usually yell out loud at ourselves, but we certainly, we certainly speak to ourselves. And I think that's super, super important that we speak life and it's not my life. I'm not um, just, you know, conjuring up life for myself. I have no life in myself, but the life that's spoken over me is the life that's given from my creator who lovingly crafted me, who has given me gifts and talents to be used to glorify him, who has who has created in me both my passion and my um, my rise to do something, my desire for justice, you know, all of these things, those are good things. They certainly can have, some can be negative, but God has created these beautiful, beautiful things in us. And we just need to remind ourselves that God is doing something. God is the creator. God is the one who's challenging and changing us. And to speak that life over me, my own heart. That's so good. And I feel like, too, just talking about relationships again, if you feel like you really cannot see truth mm. over yourself, I yeah. feel like like there have been moments where I'm just, like, so insecure about something mm-hmm. or so stressed about something. And so maybe, like, sometimes I'll mention it to a friend or I'll mention it to Isaiah and just be like honest like I've just been so insecure about this like is this true is this 
Yeah. Like, do you see this? And literally every single time they're like, Kylie, I've never even noticed that about you. Yeah. I've never seen that when I look at you and, or I never noticed that about your personality or whatever it is. And I feel like, um, if you feel like you're so caught up in this pit that you can't see truth for yourself, um, like run to community run to your people um and have them speak truth over you because they see you in a whole different light they see you without all the negative thoughts they see you without all the attacks of the enemy on your mind they see you without all the um imperfections that you conjure up in your mind about yourself and um i feel like if there's ever a point where you just need truth and you feel like you can't speak that to yourself then rest in your relationships and your community that are healthy and that are supporting you um because i i guarantee you that they're probably not going to see your insecurity the way that you see it yeah um so maybe it would just help give you a fresh perspective of the beauty in you and what people see in you um but also what you said i think it's always 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 a good idea to catch the lie and speak truth over it even if you don't believe it um it's just good to start building that habit of catching it and releasing it um but yeah one of the things i think i've loved about finding good christian community and and i'll say this i don't have like a hundred good solid christian friends that i could one bear my soul to and and then ask for good affirmation um that i think is 100 percent truthful they're People sometimes will just tell you what you want to hear. Nobody wants to deal with confrontation. Nobody wants, you know, or they'll just say harsh things, right? So you just pick those one or two people that you know that are in your life that would speak life over you, would speak truth over you. And I hope that as a Christian community, you have that. And I would just ask the Lord to, to send that to you if you don't. Um, and maybe you do, you just don't even realize it. Um, but the Lord can really open your eyes to what that looks like. But but I know one person who immediately I can go to and I can ask what you said, Ty, is this something you see in me? And they love me dearly and they would be willing to tell me truth and they speak life over me and their words are so kind. And so even if there is truth, I receive that so well because I recognize like their, her, she loves me dearly. She would she would die for me, you know, and she would just want to see my life grow and be fruitful. And so I just know I can go to her and she'll speak life and truth over me and, um, and affirm and pray with me. And so I, I would just encourage you find those people. You don't need a thousand people who tell you you're beautiful and you've got it all together. That isn't real. Find real people, you know, who also can share their real struggles with you that you can be life-giving and affirmative too. So I think, I think there's truth in that. Um, and one of the things I, I've just learned this uh, past week, just been reminded, you know, as we're chatting about things and, um, and I just, let me just point really quickly, this wasn't the main topic of what we were talking about, but just getting good biblical counseling, um, you know, especially if you find yourself in a rut, I personally believe we should all have a counselor um, on speed dial that you could, I wish we could just like, hey, man, this is a crazy thought. Like what would be a really good way to just walk myself through this or get to the bottom of why I think that? But, you know, I don't know. I don't have a, a counselor on retainer consistently, but um, but anyway, this uh, just counselor that we've just been chatting with to really get to the root of some of the things we just keep coming back to. One of the things he said was, 
you don't need to tell yourself you've been this way your whole life. First of all, if you have been, you already know that. No need to affirm a negative, right? But secondly, ask yourself, is this truly what I want to be um, in the future? Then I can ask God to go ahead and help me change that. I don't have to do it this way just because I've always done it this way. God is doing something new and fresh. It says in Isaiah that he is, um, we are a new creation. He said, um, well, let me read it. It says, um, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The idea being he is up to something amazing in the dry, barren desert lands. God is doing something and he's the one that provides that. So I don't have to affirm in myself that I am already broken. I know that. <laughs> but to remind myself that, you know what, I don't want to continue to do that. But I'm going to trust God. I'm going to take this to God and say, listen, I clearly have a bad habit. I keep doing this this way. But Isaiah 43, 18 and 19 God says he is working this out in me. He is doing something. And I'm going to rest in that. that God is doing something beautiful in me. Yeah. You know, so um, again, real, honest, affirming truth is God's word coming back to that over and over and over. I feel like that reminded me of like a very real thing that I feel every time I go to the beach. <laughs> I know we talked about this when we were in Mexico a couple weeks ago, and um, I feel like something comes over me when I get to the beach, and I am just like a ball of insecurity and uh -huh. like self-doubt, literally, like I was, it just is all consuming, being surrounded by yeah. women that are naked, and I'm <laughs> naked, and it's just like, it's like when you meet comparison face-to-face yeah. -face. like I just feel like that is the most intense yeah form that I ever feel insecurity ever and especially once me and Isaiah were together I just feel like it's just like a thousand times more because now I'm like oh my gosh all these it's dumb anyways but I remember that in Mexico in the first couple of days I was just like consumed by it and I was like I cannot have fun this is just like unenjoyable I don't want to mm -hmm. look I don't want to open my eyes because if I open them, then I just feel insecure yeah. and I feel dumb and I don't want to hang out with anybody and I don't want to do anything. And, um, but I feel like after a couple of days, I was like, okay, I don't want to be like this. Like, I don't want this to be my personality and I don't want to like shrivel into an insecure ball of nothingness anytime that I'm around someone that I feel threatened by. Um, because it's not just at the beach, that's just when it's like overwhelming amounts. <laughs> um, and I feel like um, that was like a very real something that I had to wrestle with the whole week, but I just kept surrendering that and being like, okay, like I just need to let go and I just need to trust and I need to walk in confidence that I and me and they are them and that's okay, you know? And but that was like such a very, I don't, it just reminded me of what you were saying. Yeah. So, that you don't always have to do it the way that you've always done it, um, even though it's so hard. Yeah. Um, but I love this quote that you said that is, emotions don't dictate truth. Mm. I feel so like good. that was something I just had to keep reminding myself that just because I feel insignificant yeah. here, because there's a lot of significant people in my mind around me, 
it doesn't mean that that's true and yeah. that doesn't mean that I have to show up insignificant because I feel insignificant um yeah anyways I have repeated that self that to myself a thousand times in the last week or so that I heard that that quote emotions don't dictate truth because emotions are strong oh and I just wanted to clarify we did not go to a nude beach we simply feel nude and we actually all seven of us six of us talked about this right we're all yeah. six of us the guys included we're, we're all like holy smokes I think especially at the beginning of the summer when you go and you feel like your swimsuit shrunk 10 sizes in the winter um, and you're like how are all these people have three inches of material and they can walk confidently and I feel like I can't remove my towel you know it yeah. all all of us were struggling with the same thing um just feeling that and it was so interesting how we just chatted a lot about that over the week but um but it is so true that those emotions can raise high and and emotions are good indicators of where we are right i mean wouldn't that be counseling 101 where it's good to we don't have to brush the emotion away and just say this is stupid this is not godly christians don't have emotion not true not true at all christians have emotion and god gave us emotion for a reason we were created with emotion we serve a god who does have emotion um and so the beautiful thing about emotion is we don't have to let it rule us but we can let it guide us and share with us is there something um that i need to root out where does that that emotion come from for us in that moment it was insecurity in who we were and the value of us and our worth and our beauty um, and so those are the things that emotions point us to that we can get back to and say, okay, well, what is truth? What is truth in this moment? Um, and, and what can I do with truth? And um, how do I want to move forward in action from this point? Um, and so I think they're good. It's a good conversation to have. Have emotion. Don't live in emotion because your world will be chaotic. <laughs> yeah. Who doesn't remember their teenage years, right? Living in emotion every moment. The world is ending. It's the best day ever. <laughs> that was a three minute window, right? <laughs> yeah. Definitely yeah. that sometimes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I, unfortunately it doesn't end. I think, um, I think I'm at the beginning of those menopause, right? Which feels a little bit like teenage years. Some days where I'm like, holy smokes, <laughs> how can I be? back and forth like what on earth is happening but um yeah i think emotion is real and it's okay emotion's okay so um, let's not be afraid of that so i i think um it's good i also think just as we've been discussing um being made new this is who i am versus um who is god creating me to be um there's this crazy story that both um the tyler and i were talking about a week ago about the man at the well of Bethsaida, right? So this is um, found in John 5, and Jesus comes up to this man who um, has been at this well 38 years where people carry him every morning. He begs, it's in the temple, right outside the temple, I think is what it was. Um, anyway, um, the, the theory was that the angels stirred up the water and whoever entered first would be healed. So this man's been sitting there 38 years. He cannot ever get to the water first. Um, and so he has been sitting there waiting begging and uh, praying that he'll be the first into the water the next time the angel stirs up for healing. And Jesus walks up to this man and everybody would agree that the rudest question, it seems like it just pierces our heart. Like how could Jesus say this? Is his question is, do you want to be healed? And all of us are so offended by that. Like our first thought is what a cruel thing. Who would ever want to stay sick? Who would ever want to stay lame, right? But 
um, just as I was hearing this sermon, I had to really think about my own heart. And he has so many good questions. And he was saying, um, the hard thing is, if I were to think in my life, if Jesus came up to me in certain areas of my life and says, do you want to be healed? There's a part of me that would say, I don't know, because this is part of who I am. This is what I've always thought. This is this is how I've behaved. And if I don't do that, will so-and-so love me? Will it work out this way? Will I have to admit this? Will I leave these friends? Whatever the case may be, um, it's a tough one. And for me, I'm, I'm arrogant. I struggle, struggle, struggle so much with pride. It's so bad. And some days I'm just like, God, I'm so tired of this. But when Jesus comes and he says, do you want to be made well? I don't know. Am I going to have to say I'm wrong more often? Am I going to have to be humbled? Am I going to have to go back to people and apologize for how I behaved? Um, maybe I won't always be right. Maybe I won't be right in my own eyes. You know, how many of those things am I going to have to go back through? Um, and how many things will I have to surrender in and not have my will, but God's will? Honestly, I have to just be 100% truthful. There are times when I'm like, Jesus, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I want to be made well, but my friends, here's the greatest part about this story is he doesn't even tell the guy he gets the answer wrong because the guy blames, he instantly blames, well, I can never get in the water. Everybody else goes, no one carries me to the water. It's not my fault, right? Been there, done that. I, I resort to blame a lot when I, when I have my little spots poked and Jesus says, get up. Take your mountain walk. Like he gives him this opportunity to walk in healing. And it still takes that step of faith. But Jesus didn't even care that he got all the answers wrong. I think that's so beautiful. It's so beautiful that he's like, here's an opportunity for you to walk. You know? And, and so um, he did have to take his mat. He wasn't coming back, friends. He was not coming back to beg at the well. He was going to be made well. So there's that. <laughs> oh, that's so good. I feel like it's just such a good reminder that you don't you don't always have to be who you've always been. And yeah. if there are things that you just really have wrestled with and have been insecure about and have struggled with, like those don't have to be defining for you forever. And um I don't know about you guys, but that's so encouraging that I don't have to be yeah those things those don't have to they don't characterize me they don't yes. have to be something that i always exemplify yeah yeah make you new it's so true and if i could just share this um point about brett too and i know he would love for me to share this because it's something he talks about often is in the middle of addiction um there were times when i know the lord was asking him do you want to be made well and he just simply said no i'm not interested i'll lose all my friends my whole life will look different. All the things that were important and valuable to me will no longer be important or valuable, or they'll be taken away, right? Um, and now looking back from the other side, when he finally said, yes, I want to be made well, from the other side, none of those things had value. None of them. Those friendships weren't even real friendships that he was worried about losing. Not one of those people has ever been concerned with where Brett was doing or what his safety was or any of that. And looking back, it's like a bunch of dangerous people being with dangerous people, you know? Um, <clears throat> so what God is removing you from those things that we hold so tightly to, we think are our identity and they, we think that they hold value to us. God's saying it, it isn't a value. And let me just show you the better plan I have and the beauty that comes from you releasing that. And let me just show you 
how insignificant those things were and the good I truly have for you. Yeah. That's I feel it. like that happened in my life too when I came to college and I slowly but surely I like had to let go of everything from yeah. my high school life and all my friendships and all my relationships. I just remember that being so heartbreaking. Yeah. I love them so dearly and still to this day, like I think about them all the time. Um, yeah, but the irony is like, I let go of that world and I feel like vice versa. Like it wasn't like this, um, like I just had to ignore all of their calls and all their stuff. It was like, once I let go, mm -hmm. they let go too. And it was kind of like this realization to me that things that I was clinging on so much that were hurting me and hurting my identity and hurting my relationship with the Lord. Um, they weren't even, um, I don't want to, I don't know what the word is. They weren't even as deep or as, um, I don't know. They weren't as deep as I thought that it was. And it was a weird realization. Um, but I feel like sometimes there are things that we have to let go of to move forward. And sometimes that's relationships and sometimes it's friendships and sometimes it's um, situations or areas that we're in or organizations or whatever it is wow. um but i promise you that letting them go if the lord asks you to let something go to get up and walk away wow. it's going to be worth it because he's he's bringing you to healing he's bringing you closer to him um but that can be tricky at the time <laughs> and and I, I just want to point this out total side note is the enemy wants to use these things later in life too, right, Ty? Like there are times it comes back and you mourn the loss of certain things, certain people, certain seasons. Um, and if, if it was sin, I just want you to know that you can continue to ask the Lord, show me the truth about this situation so that I do not mourn something that was sinful. Mm -hmm. um, and and I, in my own personal walk, when I, so if you haven't heard my story, you can go back. I've done a podcast about this where I've been very open about it. <clears throat> but when... Brett and I were separated and divorced. That was me. That was all on me. There were a lot of situation, uh, things that came up before that, that um, definitely my heart was in a terrible place and God could have done something, but I made decisions. I made decisions I was going to leave, but just prior to leaving, began an emotional affair. Um, and so through this season of the next couple of years with separation, divorce, um, and this emotional affair that then became an actual affair, um, all of the stuff that's going on, there were like things that happened that would have been fun, that would be, um, you know, you can look at people that you met and be like, oh, that was a good relationship or whatever. Um, for me personally, in that season, that was a season where I was walking in self, where I was walking in sin, where I was actively practicing sin, okay? And so when I look back, the Lord has redeemed me. He has forgiven me. He has made all things beautiful. But there are times when a memory will come to mind and it might be easy for me to look and to say, I miss that. I miss that person. I miss this thing, or that was beautiful in this moment. And I constantly ask the Lord, remind me, that was not beautiful. That was not beautiful. And I'm, I feel so bad for the people who are in the middle of that situation, but that was a terrible time where I'm just asking the Lord, remind me that I was walking in sin. And so all of the things that were in the middle of that were tainted by sin because that's where my heart was. 
And so to look back and to mourn that is to mourn where I was in that season. And I do not want to be a part of that ever again. I don't want to, I want to look back at it and mourn that for real, for what it was. Um, and to be able to walk forward in the truth that God has given me. So to be able to say goodbye is what I'm saying. Say goodbye to that season in all reality and truth. And so not everybody is walking in a whole season of sin. I'm definitely not saying that, you know, Ty, when you said goodbye to those friends, that that was a season of sin. What I'm saying is for me, in that moment, I have to look at reality. And I think that's where we have to be careful is just look at the reality of the things we said goodbye to. If there were beautiful moments and the Lord has allowed us to keep those, then keep that. But if the rest of it was a sinful, it was sinful nature, it was yucky, demonic, whatever it was, let's be willing to look at that for the reality that it was and not to mourn that season that the Lord has said, this was not good. And I removed this, you know? So um, I, I think it's important to just know that God creates us to be someone and we just do not know the purpose that God has created for us unless we allow him to take over those things in our hearts and to surrender because then he can do that new thing in us. As soon as I surrender that and let him have that in me, he can make all things new. It's so funny that you say that because literally four years later this morning, I literally this morning, I just woke up from a dream of somebody in my past and I just woke up feeling like, like that, like, man, I just miss them. And, but like, it was weird because when I think about it, I know when I think about it logically, I left for a reason. <laughs> there was a lot of hurt. There was a lot of pain. But when I woke up this morning, I was like, I can't remember one bad thing that happened. I can't mm. remember the pain. I can't remember the hurt. And I was like, Lord, <laughs> like, what? why? Why do I only remember the good things? Because it's so hard to um, continue to move in that healing direction when you don't even remember why you started it. Um, yeah. so I feel like that's so good. Just asking the Lord to show you yep. what, what was the reality of that? Because for some reason I can only seem to see one side at a time. So yeah, it's so true. Well, and I think, I mean, I would say our, our cumulative point on this whole thing of insecurity and doubt, um, as we've kind of gone through all this with identity and, and all of that stuff, our, our whole point is digging in to who Jesus Christ is, who God created you to be and what that looks like in relationship to Jesus. The whole point is we have got to identify who we are by the word of God. It says that um, in Isaiah 45, which I love Isaiah, so good. Anyway, in Isaiah 45, 9, it says that the... Uh, <laughs> You love him for a different reason. <laughs> I do love that idea too. My first son, I love him. Anyway, in Isaiah 45, nine though, it says that as the potter um, or as the clay, we cannot tell the potter how he should make us, right? To add a spout, add a handle, to do this with us, to use us for this purpose. We are created the creator, the potter created us for his purpose and how ridiculous, I, I think of that all the time, how ridiculous would it be for a pot to tell the creator what his intended purpose was? That isn't it. So we're not molding God to our standard. We're asking him to mold us to his standard, to what he is doing in us, to the purpose he created. And so the idea being, we can only have our thoughts changed 
um, so that we can walk in unison with, with what the potter has created us for, in, with time in the word, with spend time with prayer, um, just remembering the truth about who God created us to be. And that's, that's what this all boils down to. Friends, we're not capable. I am not capable of changing my own heart and mind. I'm just not. This week proves it. I cannot just keep my heart and mind in the right place. Like you, you woke up. Did you do that intentionally? You woke up with a thought. We are just, it just happens. And that's why we saturate our very hearts and minds so that when the, when the heart is filled with something that the mouth speaks, when my heart is filled with God's presence and his very word, and I'm digging deep, then this is what my mouth speaks. I'm able to combat those things that come to mind. I'm able to see the truth in those situations so much faster. When I'm saturating myself, when I'm drinking this in, this is what I'm filled with. Oh. Yes. <laughs> I'm just taken in by his word in this moment. I'm reminded in this moment. So yeah. good. Mm. So good. I feel like um, I saw this uh, quote or this person posted on social media. Um, it can be good. It can be good. <laughs> she said, she said, I'm trying to find the balance between caring for myself and dying to myself. Mm. And it was such a good thought. And I just, I don't, it just reminded me of what you were saying, but I feel like dying to ourselves is really just surrendering mm. all that we are to our creator and just giving that up for him to use, yeah. for him um, to love on, for him um, to beautify and um I feel like in our world today, self-care is so big and not that it's yeah. a bad thing, um, but it definitely obviously it emphasizes my needs and what I need and who I am. And I feel like sometimes it can um, lead us to a very self-focused yeah. journey um, where we forget our identity isn't in anything that we can do for ourselves, mm -hmm. but our identity is in Jesus. And so the more that we die to ourselves, mm -hmm. the more that we really begin to see ourselves in our true identity. Um, and that doesn't mean that you can't take care of yourself, um, but I'm just saying that the world doesn't revolve around me and myself, but it revolves around me continually surrendering myself to my creator and my god um to find my source um not within myself but within him mm -hmm. yeah no i i think that's um that's so good it, it just reminds me um as we're thinking about that and dying to self, I, I think again, it's just coming back to what the truth is. I'm not just dying for the sake of dying. I'm dying so that I can replace death with life. And I love how in Psalm 139, where he, um, in this Psalm um, of David, where he's just reminding himself of the truth of God's creation. And that's him, you know, that he was, um, that he cannot be away from where God is because God is everywhere, that God knows all the things that are on his tongue. He, he goes before, behind, above, below. He's with him. He understands it. He, um, he, this whole thing, he was 
created in his mother's room, that God knows the very parts and pieces. I mean, that's, that's affirming dying to self in the right way. I, dying to self can be just taken as like self-flagellation, right? Like I will beat the tar out of myself in order for God to love me more. There's nothing remotely close to that in dying to self. It's simply reminding us who we are. I am not created to serve Marcy. I serve Marcy so easy. I am one person who does not need more self-care because I first and foremost look out for myself in everything I do. And the truth that I was trying to do something nice for somebody the other day and I stopped to think for one second, is there anything in me right now who is serving self? And you know what? There were so many parts that were serving self. Now I still did a nice thing for a person because it's the right thing to do serve. What I'm saying is we serve self. I wanted to be noticed. I wanted to be affirmed. I wanted them to know how much I cared about them. And, and again, there are goods and there are bads and all of this stuff we just have to recognize. I serve myself first all the time. When my girls were little, and Tyler, you can attest to this, who ate the candy that was left over? I did, because I, I didn't want you guys to have it, and I can't imagine throwing things away. So I did it first. The truth is, I wanted it bad, and I didn't want to go without, right? So while I was like, yeah, let me serve the, I'll take one for the team, I'll just finish all this up so nobody else gets sick and, you know, has to have too much sugar. Yeah, it was all about me, friends. I, it's, that's the thing. Dying to self does not mean self-flagellation. Dying to self means reminding myself that he alone is the creator and I do not have to serve myself. I can serve this one who is, who has made me, who has knit me together, who made me fearfully and wonderfully for his very purpose. You read that whole chapter, 139. There's not one day that goes by that he doesn't have thoughts of you so much so that the grains of sand are more or there's uh, more thoughts about you than the grains of sand he loves you i want to die to myself so i can recognize this love because i can't i can either be filled with god's love or my love for myself i can't be filled with both no that's so good. soapbox today Woo! <laughs> <laughs> No, it's so true. And I feel like anytime that we try to find love within ourselves, it just falls short. Because um, they just don't have the capacity to render our own identity within ourselves. Because um, it's not our job, it's our Creator's job to yeah. give us our identity, to affirm our identity, to speak our identity, to mm -hmm. create our identity. That's what he does. Um, and through that, I feel like, I feel like um, my insecurities like just fall by the wayside when I'm dying to myself, because usually when I die to myself, I'm not as focused on myself and I'm yeah. not thinking about all my insecurities as much because now I'm, focus on other things on bigger things on eternity on jesus on my yeah. identity for real or on my purpose or things that i'm doing and it just i don't think it's ironic at all that the more that i die to myself the less that i even care about the mm -hmm. things that i see as flaws um so i think that just goes back to like just being so mindful about what you're consuming. Mm -hmm. Am I consuming Jesus or am I consuming the world? Because um, I really feel like the level of insecurity has a lot to do with what we're filling mm -hmm. our hearts with and our minds with. Yep. 
I want to throw out a few verses there. We won't quote them all for the sake of time, but just um, a handful of verses that I just think when we're talking about insecurity, often that insecurity comes because we just don't see the fruit fast. You know, a tree doesn't blossom an apple overnight. It happens slowly and it grows. And that's kind of how it is in us. And, um, and so sometimes it's difficult, but um, just a handful of verses, 2 Corinthians 4, 16, Lamentations 3, 20 through 23, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. Um, and let me just pick out another one because I have so many to ask or to, to name off. Psalm 19, 7 through 11 this is another good one. Um, and those are all just verses that remind us that God is the one who does the work in us and we cannot muster fruit in ourselves. We just can't. So just surrendering to the work that God wants to do in you and friends, he does. That's the thing about it is he's not, he's not a God who gets angry because we get it wrong. And then just says, I don't have time for people like you. He says, I created you. I know. I know you don't get it right. I know that you're striving and searching and, and even in our, all of our good intentions to strive and serve God, we get it wrong in that because he doesn't desire that we do that, but that we would simply just come and we would just lay all that striving and searching and stressing and surrender so that he can then begin to do that work in us as we keep our eyes focused on who he is and what, what he has provided the work done on the cross in Jesus Christ. I mean, that redemptive work and his resurrection is so beautiful and we just can't neglect that thinking that we ourselves are doing this. It is truly God. The insecurity and the self-doubt is because we focus on us. Like you said, Ty, 100% of that is wiped away as we continue to work, at, as we continue to look at Jesus and what he's done instead of working that out in our own selves. It's just that constant surrender, the constant surrender. So good. Um, go ahead. I will put all these verses on our social media um, after this episode is released so that you can have these treasures to be able to read and speak over yourself as well. Yeah, that's so good. And in closing, can I just read this quote? Yes, please. Okay, so I've been reading this book, which I highly recommend both of these books. This one is um, by Dane Ortland. Um, and it's called Deeper, and it's kind of a second, although they don't have to be read in order. The first one was Gentle and Lowly, and it's so beautiful. And this second one, Deeper, is just growing um, deeper. The, the subtitle is Real Change for Real Sinners, and I think it's been so good for me, but this chapter ends so perfectly for what we're talking about. He's just talking about the value of prayer and scripture, and he refers to it as breathing. So this is the summary at the end of his chapter here. He said, you wouldn't go through life holding your breath. So don't go through life without Bible reading and praying. Let your soul breathe. Oxinate, os, sorry, oxygenate, ox, oxygenate. <laughs> now I can't even say the word. Oxygenate. I don't know the word. Oh my gosh, I'm looking at it now for, what, for whatever reason my brain. Oxygenate, there we go. Oxygenate with the Bible and breathe out the CO2 of prayer as you speak back to God, your wonder, your worry, and your waiting. He is not a force, not an ideal, not a machine. He is a person. So keep open the channel between your life and heaven itself through Bible and prayer. And as you do, you will grow. You won't feel it day by day, but you'll come to the end of your life, a radiant, solid man or woman, and you will have left in your wake the aroma of heaven. You will have blessed the world and your life will have mattered. Perfect.
I do too. That is the best way to overcome insecurity and doubt is to have a life that matters and the right things, right? Yeah. Amen. All right. Till next time, friends. Thank you so much for joining us today. Don't forget to like this episode and subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends. You can also find us on social media and on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. All that is at outrageousgrace.podcast. We can't wait to see you next week. We love you all.